The live mascot for the Texas Longhorns tries to take out the live mascot for the Georgia Bulldogs before the Sugar Bowl. Also, China makes its landing on the far side of the moon, not to be confused with the dark side of the moon. And a family in Florida has an issue with Whirlpool as their refrigerator explodes inside their home. Those are three pretty big, pretty interesting stories that got a lot of love, but not quite enough love from you guys to be top 10 material. Almost there, but not quite. So what stories were in the top 10 for this week? We'll talk about those in just a moment here on the wrap-up show from thisistheconversation.com. With me, Jay Cleveland Payne, this is for the week ending January the 5th, 2019. And welcome to this week's show. Jay Cleveland Payne here, your host for the show, the wrap up show, giving you all the love that you gave us to give it back. That is, all the stories that you told us were the top 10. We are going to tell you them, counting them down from 10 to 1, so you know which stories you thought were the highlights of the news cycle, as opposed to what was stuck in the Chirons. Now, we are based in the US of A, which means a whole lot of shutdown, a whole lot of Trump, and a whole lot of that mess going on. But we put plenty of other mess out there as well, and you picked up on the ones you liked, and we'll tell you about those coming up in just a moment. I'll also tell you about the ones that didn't quite make it in there. We call those the uh, rounding out the top 15, going from 11 to 15 stories not quite in the top 10. High, not high enough. And we also have what we call the almost irrelevant story of the week. This is the story that within the seven and a half days of time span we have for the reporting here, doesn't get a lot of coverage, didn't get a lot of love from you guys, and usually it's something posted fairly late in the cycle, something on the day we're recording this on the Friday. This is the case for today, something that we put out there, a pretty big story, but the, the update to it that we posted was rather late in the morning, early in the morning, before we went to start recording. So we'll get to that story and tell you about that one and why it's kind of important, even though it didn't get much love. Number 126 on the week. So how do you make this thing happen? And yes, you make it happen. We post these links to these news stories from various sources on social media. We have a Facebook page, a Twitter page, and an Instagram page. Instagram, you can't really vote on. We see you the top five of the days there in the image. But on Facebook, follow us at facebook.com slash this is a conversation. Make sure you're set to see our posts in your feed. On Twitter, check us out every so often at thisisaconversation.com slash TH underscore conversation. That way you can see what's going through. And as the stories pop up in your feeds, like them, love them, hate them, share them, reply to them, reply to me. Do what you want to do to engage with the actual interaction of the actual piece and the interactions add up to big numbers. And that's how we get our top 10. So let's go ahead and get in with the number 10 story for the week. We begin with this headline. It is. Colts cheerleaders unveil new, less revealing uniforms for 2019 season. Saturday, December 29th, the date we posted this one. Here are a few lines from the stories that we posted. It came from USA Today. The Indianapolis Colts cheerleaders unveiled a new, less revealing uniform this week that the team says breaks, quote, traditional stereotypes, unquote, of cheer attire and is more conductive to dancing. Uniforms are one-piece dresses, longer than the squad's traditional skirts, and show less skin, including no bare midriffs. You can go deeper into the story and see how these things came about, how everything looks by visiting our website and looking for the link for this week's wrap-up show. It's right there. All the links for all the top 10 stories are right there in the 
link on the website. Something we're doing new to keep things going so you can see the full stories there. And we can keep things moving quicker here in the process for the actual countdown. Now, we're going to move on to the number nine story. And this story, very graphic, so brace yourself for this one. The headline for the story at Nine Spot, Missouri man accused of gunning down his girlfriend, two children, and her mother. We got this off the NBCNews.com website on Sunday, December 30th. This gets a bump response from the 10 story of 4.8%. Let's get a few lines from this story so you get a bit of context. As we said, you can go deeper by going to the website. A Missouri man was charged with four counts of murder for allegedly gunning down his girlfriend, her two children, and her mother at their home, authorities said Saturday. Richard Emery, 46, faces a total of 15 charges, including first-degree murder, assault, and attempted robbery, St. Charles County Prosecuting Attorney Tim Lomar said at a news conference Saturday. In the master bedroom of the home where the shooting occurred, officers found a 39-year-old woman identified as Kate Katzen, still alive but in critical condition, Lomar said. In the downstairs bedrooms, they found the bodies of 61-year-old woman, 8-year-old girl, and 10-year-old boy, he said. The 39-year-old woman later died in the hospital, according to a probable cause statement from the St. Charles Police Department. The other victims were identified as Kaysen's two children, Zoe, 8, and Jonathan, 10, and her mother, Jane Modekel, 61. Emory allegedly shot and killed the four at their home. They all lived in together just before midnight on Friday before fleeing in his pickup truck and shooting at police officers responding to the scene, Lomar said. Very serious, very sad story, and very uh, tragic to have this here in the nine spot. In a week where a lot of really serious, sad things happened, this is one that got a lot of attention from you guys early in the countdown, and is, of course, still here in the nine spot now. A story we're happy to say has a more or less happy ending, kidding from USA Today, where we got the source of this Peace. Toddler injured after falling into rhino exhibit at Florida Zoo. Wednesday, January the 2nd, on that one, bump in response of 2.29% from the number nine story. If you've not heard this one, this is a pretty interesting one. And, well, let me give you some lines from it. Uh, going to the article, as always, yeah, bump response of 2.9% on that one. Wednesday, January the 2nd was posted. I've already said that. A few lines from the USA Today story. That's been slightly updated, so here we go. A toddler who was injured after stumbling into the rhino exhibit at a Florida zoo on New Year's Day is recovering, according to her father. Quote, our daughter is in good care of the Arnold Palmer Hospital and is doing well, unquote. He said in a release sent through the hospital. Furthermore, my wife is also treated for her injury and has been released from the hospital. At this time, we ask for privacy as we focus on our daughter's recovery. So deeper into the story, you can check out the full details. And this has been a big deal uh, for uh, after a few days after we got through the, the new year. A family traveling from, um, I believe they're from England, England or Australia, are traveling and in Florida at this exhibit in Florida at a zoo uh, where they have live rhinos right there. There's a there's a fence in the poles and you can't get through it. But somehow the toddler fell into the enclosure where the rhinos were, uh, was bumped, was quickly pulled out by her father. And the mother also suffered some sort of bruising injuries, probably reaching for their daughter. Uh, this has been a, an issue because these things tend to bring in people and money for zoos, zoos which need money and people to show up, and they're a bit controversial. You can read more about this story and more about the t- entire thing online. We have a link to this, as we said, at the website for this week's show. So check it out at thisisaconversation.com. This week we have a tie, so also at number eight, 
An intensity private social worker who duct taped his shoes left a surprise $11 million to kid kids. This was posted on Friday, December 28th, so it gets a bump in the rankings slightly because it was earlier, but it has the same amount of response from the number 10, or the, I'm sorry, from the number 9 bump in response, 2.29%. And a quick line on this one, because this is a great feel-good story, uh, came out uh, essentially the, the Christmas story that we wanted. Um, USA Today is the source of this one, a few lines from here. Alan Naiman was known f- for an unabashed thriftiness that veered into comical, but even those closest to him had no inkling of the fortune that he had quietly amassed in the last act he had long planned. Washington State social worker died of cancer this year at age 63, leaving most of his surprising $11 million estate to children's charities that help the poor, sick, disabled, and abandoned. The amount baffled the beneficiaries as in his best friends who were lauding Nauman as the anniversary of his death approaches in January. That's because the man was extremely cheap, and we can see more details from the thing. He always went for the deals at the deli at closing time because that's when things were cheapest. He uh, took his best friends out to lunch, but only at the quick fast food joints, and he was known for patching his shoes with duct tape. He was known for being that thrifty, but apparently he had amassed a bunch of money in real estate and just kind of held it on to it and just didn't really deal with it or didn't tell most folks about it. And, well... Now we have a great story to tell for this Christmas. 2019 started off with a bang, taking away a lot of big time figures, uh, people of my childhood, of my, my, if you will, because they were older from childhood. And we have a bunch of those stories here in our listing today, all the way in the top 10 and some in the um in the uh, 11 follow through as well. I'm not going to read much on this next story. It is the number six story for the week. The headline is this. Sir Billy Connolly says he is near the end and his life is slipping away in new documentary. So this is from the Australian ABC. And so we got a lot of love from Australia from this story. We're sure a 10.45% jump in the number eight stories, if you will. Uh, and there's a documentary out by Sir Billy Connolly, the comedian who we know from um, various things like he was in head of the class. Essentially, that's what we know from here in the States and doing stand-up comedy. But he's really big time back in his own Homeworld. He's 75 years old and he's dealing with a lot of the big issues, uh, including um, Parkinson's disease and prostate cancer. So you can read more about what he's going through and maybe even catch a documentary if it's somewhere playing near you. Chicago has quietly been getting better at not killing themselves. The headline for the number five story this week, Chicago murder rate drops for a second year in a row. Monday, December 31st, to date this was posted, bump in response of 0.68%, just slightly above the five. Uh, let's give you a few lines from this one. We got this from CNN, and here it goes. Chicago saw a significant drop in murders and gun violence for the second year in a row, according to police. Across the city, there were 100 fewer injuries than 2017 when two, when 650 people were killed. Overall, crime is down 10% since 2016. The year Chicago recorded its highest murder rate in two decades. That year, 762 people killed. They credit, Chicago police are crediting um, the investment in data-driven policing and creation of strategic decision support centers in 20 of the city's 22 police districts. So essentially, they're using data. They're using the, um, the, the, the money ball type effect on keeping up with what's going on in the community and being more engaged with folks in the community between them and the precincts there. Congratulations, Chicago, for working on this. Uh, this has turned into a 
more or less running joke uh, here in the States about people being shot in Chicago. But the fact that they are working on it is a boom for them and, of course, should be an inspiration for many places who have their own violence issues. Me living in Little Rock, Arkansas, that's something that's a really big thing here that we're dealing with. And maybe we can learn something from Chicago. For the four story, I'm going to start by reading the headline, then going into deeper of the story. And just you've probably seen this It's popped up last yesterday as we did. And it was so large, so big and meant so much because of the what was going on today that it was um, it, it really turned into something. Conservatives mock Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez for college dancing video. Everyone else thinks it's adorable. Yes, because it is adorable. We pulled this from Newsweek, but of course the video went viral uh, yesterday on the first day of the new Congress after everyone was sworn in. Representative Ocasio-Cortez, or as she's being known on the Twitters, AOC, uh, had her, a video posted from back when she was in college, although someone originally said high school, so they really missed that one, uh, just doing some silly footloose dance and singing along and doing what kids do. Being that she is still relatively young, it wasn't that long ago, and people were sort of mocking her, the conservatives were, for being sort of silly. She's already doing some things, uh, being very loud and vocal, that in my case are kind of silly, but that one, dancing like a teenager when she's a teenager, shouldn't have counted. The world thought it was awesome, people thought it was great, and they also brought up some comparisons to other uh, teenagers who tend to act badly, one being Brett Kavanaugh who, of course, had a diary about when he got drunk and didn't have sex. So by comparison, singing to Footloose ain't so bad because it ain't so bad at all. Congratulations, uh, Miss Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, for your stepping into the ring of politics. Now it's time for you to see if you can put up or shut up and see how far you can go and what you can do, what the whole Congress can do. Maybe they can open a government sometime soon. Who knows? We shall see. This week's third story offers up a very disturbing, very disturbing statistic. Let's uh, get to the headline. Teachers quit at highest rate on record in 2018. We pulled this from Quartz. Friday, December 28th is the date that it came through. A bump response from the four story of 2.60%. A few lines from the story, and I do suggest that you take some time to go and click on the link at our website and read the full article so you can get the full report. But stats from the story detail that 83 out of every 10,000 public educators quit in the first 10 months in 2018. That's the highest rate since records began in 2001. So this is something that has not been on the charts as long as we probably should have had. But it's something that is charting high and is a bit disturbing. We're running out of educators, people who want to be educators, and the people that go into the field find there are reasons to leave. A lot of stress, not a lot of money. Uh, the two don't combine very well. Back in the day, it was a pretty pretty noble honor to be a teacher, and you can get paid enough. And, of course, having three months off in the summer meant you can go do something massive on that time away. Now, teachers are working two and three jobs just to make ends meet, and they're doing that because they love teaching. In fact, they love teaching so much they're paying for a lot of supplies that their schools are no longer offering up. If for some reason you hate Neil Diamond, then our number two story this week is all about you. It's actually the top story on Twitter for the week, a bumper response from the number three story of 19.62%. Here is the headline. Singer is attacked and thrown to the floor during live performance of Sweet Caroline at Liverpool's world-famous Cavern Club. Now, this is a club famous for holding the Beatles back in the early days, so it's got a lot of lineage, a lot of history, and it's seen a lot of things 
but never has seen a person who was just sing a song right on stage and someone rolled up and just beat the smot out of him right in the middle of his set. A couple quick lines from The Sun where we pulled the story and you want to see the video of what happened. Singer by the name of Jay Murray is out there singing Sweet Carolina's guitar and just walks on the stage and grabs my legs and just flips him over. It's basically you have to see it to believe it. There's really not much to say about it. You just kind of got to see it and then kind of either enjoy in the weirdness or enjoy in the fun of watching the guy get dumped while singing Sweet Caroline. And our number one story for this week, uh, as we said, a lot of weirdness in the ways of 2019 deciding to take the first couple of days to just kill everybody. This is, sounds a lot like 2017 in the last last couple of days, last couple of weeks, where it seems like all sorts of legends were dying off. Now it's just taking them out early. WWE icon Mean Gene Oakland dies at age 76. This is the highest rated story on Facebook this week. This was a bump response from the number two story of 29.63% from the 10 story on the Colts cheerleaders in a new uniforms of 96% and from the 126, the almost relevant story of 1650%. That's 1650 for those of you math nerds. Um, this is a big one. This was actually a fairly big one uh, this week. And we'll talk about more of the people in the also rands uh, that, um, uh, that, that we lost as well. But Mean Gene Oakland, a person that pretty much anyone could recognize the name, if not the face, uh, from the some whatever passing fancy they have of wrestling and WWF at the time, uh, going way back to the days of old days of WWA. He's a longtime wrestling announcer, and the announcers do more than just announce things. They do a lot of the management of things backstage, a lot of helping people with talent. Mean Gene was actually doing a lot of talent work with people up until the last couple of years, doing some interviews and helping people out on the independent circuits. And, of course, showing up occasionally on the classic episodes, the reunion episodes for WWE for Raw and SmackDown. Oakland wasn't in the greatest health at the moment, and, of course, he died essentially from complications of a fall. When you're in your 70s, you worry about things like that because sometimes you don't get back up from things like simple falls and breaking bones and things like that. That's what has gone on, what happened with this. So we are mourning everyone, WWE and the world itself, mourning the passing of just a funny guy uh, and a great wrestling commentator that is Mean Gene Oakland. Got the name Mean Gene from um, Jesse the Body Ventura from way back in the AWA days, back when he dubbed him that. So you, you may have thought that came from a, a macho man thing, but no, it's most famous from being being dubbed at from another kind of famous wrestler, Jesse Ventura, of course, former governor of Minnesota, and all around semi badass, semi crazy person. Well, that's that's where that goes. Mean Gene Oakland passing away this week at the age of seventy six. The story was posted on Wednesday, January the second of this week. And that's it. That's the top 10 for this week. All the 10 items that you guys decided were the most important stories of the week. And, of course, we had to tie this week. We'll talk about that a little bit in the housekeeping section coming up in a bit. And, of course, we'll round out the top 15, 11 through 15 stories not quite there. And tell you what, the almost irrelevant story of the week this week, what 126 specific separate different postings, we're getting back up to full speed and what we're doing and having some fun. And you had a lot to choose from. This one was a very late edition, and this one is kind of more important than it may seem. It may pop up next week. It's that important. We'll talk about that in just a bit here on The Rapid Show from this is a conversation.com with Jay Cliff and Payne. 
That's me. This is for the week ending January the 5th, 2019. The freshness of a new year can only last so long, and so does the greatness of a great sale. That being the Bear Mattress New Year's Eve Day Early Year Sale. Whatever you want to call it, there's only days left to get yourself in a great mattress from a great place called Bear Mattress. Now, you've heard plenty of commercials and seen plenty of ads for those mattress places that send you a mattress, a box in the mail, you open it up, and poof, a mattress appears. So you know how that works. So I'm not going to sell you on someone sending you a mattress in the mail. I'm going to sell you on getting one of the best mattresses around, the Bear Mattress, two separate types, the regular old mattress and their hybrid mattress. Let me talk to you about that hybrid mattress very quickly because this is the, a game changer in the actual industry. It's got a hand-quilled sealant fiber top to help improve your overall well-being. It also has a premium comfort phone inside of it that adapts your body and your sleep positions, responsive transition foam, which allows airflow as well, a quantum edge coil system. So it's foam, it's covering, it's coils as well. That gives you superb support and supply density support foam to make the whole thing stick together. It is five layers, not just one little fluffy layer here or two layers here and a magic pad on top. Five layers of protection for your sleep. That is the hybrid mattress. Or you can get a regular sorter mattress, which has not five layers, but it's a pretty good one as well. You also get a very, 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 very good deal because you can get $120, $125 off the uh, orders over $500 and $225 off orders over $1,200. And on those orders, free pillow from Bear. So check them out by going to our website, this is the conversation.com slash bear mattress. Bear is, of course, spelled B E A R. Mattress is spelled mattress. This is the conversation.com slash bear mattress. Stop by the website and visit all our great sponsors. But this week, a good spotlight on a great sponsor who has a great mattress Bear Mattress. On the way with some housekeeping, the almost relevant story of the day. And, of course, we will have the rounding out the top 15. But first, I did not hype it. It's still going to happen. Shout out. Starting off with the Twitter love. Love from Jason Velasquez. Also, Perrine Doubt, uh, AARP guard is some of our usual suspects. E Street. E Street. I read that one wrong. And some newcomers to the game this week with some additions of McKellen Hayes Haters. There you go. Thank you very much for joining us. A Small Town Mentality Podcast is joining us this week, along with Tailgate Connect and another new person popping in, Carson V. Hetty. Thank you so much, guys, for joining us on the Twitter love and giving your responses in on these things to get your votes in. Also, responses for shout-outs in the Facebook, including Clarence E. Springer, uh, Barnell Black, Daniel Williams, uh, Maldonado Slim, Lisa Ann Al, Derek Jones also in there, Cat Troop jumping in this week, and a few other great ones. Thank you so much for joining us and giving us extra responses on the Facebook as well. Let's do the housekeeping very quickly. Uh, first off, we're going to talk about our tie this week and what happens with a tie. When we have the scores from all the combined items, Facebook and Twitter, and it come up literally as a tie, we're, we go ahead and call it a tie 
for the sake of what's in the numbers, where things are going. So that's how we had two number eights. We could have called them two number sevens, but there were two number eights this week with the exact same number when you add the Twitter and the Facebook responses. Now, the way one gets ahead, if you will, is by being the elder statesman of the stories. The oldest of the stories gets to be first, even though the latter one actually basically caught up to the older one. The older story gets a higher seating on the stats ranking for listing for the actual uh, actual stories, which is why the story about the the, the social worker who duct taped his shoes but left eleven million dollars to kids uh, is technically a higher ranking this week than the toddler who fell into the zoo exhibit with the rhinos, even though they had the exact same number of total responses per the weighted average, if you will. Uh, for the most part, the older story gets the love, gets a little bit higher. Both of them are the number eight ranked story of the week, but the story with the man in his duct tape shoes is technically in the seven between the six and the eight. Too much housekeeping? Probably way too much housekeeping, but we are trying to make this thing work out. Make it be both a enjoyable thing and a tool for getting actual news. Believe it or not, we want to get actual news out to people. That's something that we feel really great about. Story 126 this week was a story posted earlier this morning before we started our taping of the show. Uh, the headline, Navy SEAL to plead not guilty to murder charge of ISIS teen. We're pretty sure this one will get a bunch more response throughout the day and for the weekend. So I'm not sure if it's going to be a massive story big enough for next week's top 10. But it'll probably be alive long enough to um, kind of see some life in the rankings for the upcoming week. It's also kind of an important story that might get lost in all the craziness that is the government shutdown here in the States. So I'm going to read you a couple of paragraphs from the story from ABC News we posted today. A decorated Navy SEAL is facing charges of premeditated murder and numerous other offenses in connections with the fatal stabbing of a teenage Islamic State prisoner under his care in Iraq in 2017, along with the shooting of an unarmed civilian Iraqis. Special Operations Chief Edward Edward Gallagher plans to plead not guilty to all crimes Friday during an arraignment hearing at Naval Base San Diego, his attorney Phil Starkhouse said. Case stands out because of the seriousness of the allegations against an elite special warfare operator and the fact that the prosecutor's case includes the accounts of fellow Navy SEALs, an extremely tight knit group even by military standards. Sackow said his clients is being falsely accused by disgruntled SEALs who wanted to get rid of a demanding platoon leader. Gallagher was awarded a bronze star twice. Navy prosecutors have painted a picture of a highly trained fighter and medic going off the rails on his eighth deployment indiscriminately shooting at Iraqi civilians and stabbing to death a captured Islamic State fighter, it's estimated to be 15 years old, and then posing with the corpse at his reenlistment ceremony. If convicted, the 19-year Navy veteran faces life in prison. So this is a story that's been bubbling up here and there on the national scene, but it's and it's something that's actually years in the making, but with a lot of the, the kind of just overdone Trump talk we've had lately and government shutdown talk we've had very lately. This story is not being pushed in the rug. But as we said, the reason why we put out so many different stories from so many different sources, a lot of things get um, mislabeled and misshoved out of the way because of the big things. So we want to make sure you got some of this one. It came up as the almost relevant just because the sheer way it was posted. But uh, this one is definitely something that's relevant to all of us. Just quickly go through rounding out the top 15 with those stories, headlines, and a little bit into the details. Number 11 on the week, 
Texas mascot Bevo charges Georgia mascot Ugga before the Sugar Bowl. Sugar Bowl, one of the this year's not a championship bowl. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. But one of the uh, long-standing granddaddy of them all bowls. So this is a pretty big deal for Texas and Georgia to be here. Big enough for the live mascots to be there. Texas being a Longhorn, an actual bull. Georgia being a mass uh, bulldog, an actual dog. And for some reason, the bulldog went charging out kind of wild and went going for the bull. Or I'm sorry, the bull went charging after the bulldog before the Sugar Bowl. Oddly enough, Texas beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl as well. It wasn't even much of a challenge on the field, let alone between the mascots. This one is cool in the 12 spot. China lunar rover successfully touches down on the far side of the moon, state media announces. Now, we don't have any pictures of the actual thing going on because, you know, it's the moon after all. And while people believe there is a dark side of the moon, technically there is no dark side of the moon. But by the way the moon rotates, there's a side that's always on the other side of us. So it gets sunlight. It just doesn't. We just don't see it because it's never facing us the way it rotates. There you go. So the far side of the moon, China has made its the trip, the next trip to the moon. What will be done of that? Who knows? Who's going to Mars first? Who knows? But China is doing some research on the far side of the moon to see uh, what's going on there and whether we can grow things like potatoes, which don't need a lot of light. They just go into dirt on the surface of the moon. Potatoes from the moon. Take that, Idaho. Number 13 story this week, nationwide internet outage affects CenturyLink customers. This was posted on Friday, December 28th. So there was a pretty big internet outage uh, between some cell tower issues. And for people on the CenturyLink network, they had some time, it's a lot of downtime to kind of discuss themselves, their lives, get their, their affairs in order. And then when it came back up, complain about this one. This wasn't... <laughs> Sometimes it's really funny watching people when they're complaining about things that are amazing, and this is another one of those things. For the 14th story, very quickly, drug, ma- drug makers raise prices on hundreds of medicines. The beginning of the year starts, so a lot of things happen that are fresh and new. A lot of taxes, a lot of rules, and a lot of just price shifting for general things. Drug makers shifted the prices on hundreds of different medicines as a lot of things, a time elapsed on on some of the rights holders, so they could do that, expecting... Uh, f- uh, the changes in laws for taxes and changes in laws for health care to affect. So that did it as well. Please take a little time this month to check the difference between last month and this month's prescriptions and see if you can work out any deals you can on those ends. And I'm just going to wrap this up because we're running kind of crazy on time. A Florida family's Whirlpool refrigerator exploded inside their home. This one we posted on Wednesday, January the 2nd. Let me read you some of this because there is needing some context. In West Palm Beach, Florida, a Florida family is grateful to be alive after they say their refrigerator exploded inside their home Saturday morning. The force was so powerful it caused significant damage to several rooms. Luckily, neighbor Joshua Perez heard the explosion and ran inside to help the family get out safely. I was in my room, I was asleep, and I just heard the bang, Mark Ligondi said. Ligondi quickly ran from his bedroom to the kitchen where moments before his parents' refrigerator in the West Palm Beach, Florida home exploded. There were fumes coming everywhere, Ligondi said. He says the odor was so strong that it made his eyes sting. The fridge exploded, and if you look at the angle right here, it expanded and expanded so much it bent the metal of the stove, Lingo Dean said. Family's four-month-old Whirlpool refrigerator was in pieces, shattered throughout the kitchen and surrounding rooms. They don't have, well, yeah, they have some issues with Whirlpool right now because, obviously, their refrigerator shouldn't have blown up in the middle of the night after being four months old. 
However, you probably have fewer issues with this because it's not your refrigerator and it's the end of the list. So we have come to the end of another week of news stories, some silly, some serious, most of which have been avoided by the mainstream media. Most not because they're not good stories or interesting. It's because they've been stuck on longer stories, not even larger stories, longer stories. So as we reach into week three of a government shutdown, Hopefully your government shutdown is not so bad where you are. It's not too bad here, but we're, we're managing. Uh, hopefully you're having a great week from the past week, and we'll have a great one coming up this weekend. Make sure you are doing what you can to contribute to this podcast and everything, all things considered for the conversation. Follow us on Facebook at This Is The Conversation to make sure we are in your feed so you can react to us. Follow us on Twitter at TH underscore conversation, main website, of course, thisistheconversation.com. The more you interact with the stories in your feed, the more engagement they get, the higher they rank up in the week for the podcast. You can email the show at theconversationinbox at gmail.com. Email me at jclevenpain at gmail.com and check out what I have going on outside of this thing at jclevenpain.net. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. Make sure you share it with friends, strangers, enemies, people that just wander up to you in the street. So we have more people having greater conversations on a grander scale. And subscribe to the podcast. Don't miss an episode. Like and love and review if you want that as well. And let's see you next week for another great 10 stories. The top 10 as per you. You tell me what we're talking about for the rapid show from this is the conversation.com.